Welcome to Accidental Discharge. All right, guys, welcome to Accidental Discharge. Uh, we're having a very different episode today. So we're with everything that's been going on in the world, in, in America and in Nigeria. If you don't know, uh, over the past two weeks, there's been a serious uprising, uh, protests and demands for justice for, for crimes that are very similar. So in Nigeria, we've been suffering from, we've been dealing with violence against women, primarily rape and murder. In the last week or so, there have been three or four reports of women, young girls sometimes, as young as 12, being raped and sometimes being killed. And of course, I think most of the world knows what's going on in America after the killing of George Floyd and the protests, the, even in the protests, the police still using excessive force and trying to restrict people from what is their human rights. They are allow, we are allowed to protest, we are allowed to gather, and we are allowed to speak against ills to, to humanity. And those rights seem to be trying to, it seem, seems like they are being suppressed, especially in the U.S. But today we're going to have three guests. We're going to have three people coming um, talk to us about the issues, educate us, uh, update us on what is going on or the situation on the ground where they are. We would have Indicato, who's joined us before. She will join us first to talk about the situation in Nigeria and the cases. I think Indy just joined us. Um, yeah. So Hi. she'll be talking about the situation in Nigeria, the cases and what's, where we are and where, how we can get to where we need to be. Uh, hi, Indy. Uh, also, hi. introduce yourself again. So people, okay. Yeah. So, hi, everyone. Hi everyone, I am uh, the consultant in Nigeria that's with respect to human rights, energy consultants too. In terms of the work, okay, so Tarek, do I just go forward and talk about everything or just introduce the work and where we are now? Well, yes, yes, you can just introduce the work and tell us where we are. I mean, I'm just trying to update okay. them. I, I know of four cases that came up uh, from the last yeah. two weeks of, of girls, yeah. sometimes, yeah, literally girls, and then young young women who have been raped and yeah. And, yeah. and and sometimes killed. So we just want to talk about in the general context of violence against women and also rape culture. Okay, so when this job started, 
what marks, you know, police brutality, uniform brutality, um, patients, yeah. patients maltreatment, you know, all of that. But we also readied ourselves for an increase in sexual and gender-based violence. And the increase we thought we would see was especially domestic violence because women stuck with their oppressors wouldn't have where to go. Yeah. And then from nowhere, it became rape. Sorry, I think I'm reacting to, to something. So from nowhere, it became, we said, seeing rape cases. Um, of course, Uwa's case really spiked things. And I remember that morning. <laughs> was it in the morning? Sorry, my assistant, Harriet, was in the morning or night? Uwa came in the night. But Uwa's case came at night. Okay. And when the report came, the family sent the report. And I got it directly. I was like, please, please. Our sister has been raped several days ago. And, you know, she's in the hospital. We don't know what to do. She was beaten. So when they sent the picture to me, I was taken aback. And honestly, if I, 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 did they say, I don't know if they said their sister, but I honestly did not think that that was a normal person when I saw it. Like, mm. I literally thought maybe this person was picked up the streets. Maybe this was already a mad person. I, I really think picture, the way they beat her, like the way they, they disfigured everywhere. I didn't really think. Okay, can you just, so, give, us, can you just I, give us some, back, back, um, some background on that? So who has cases, which of the cases now? Is it the one in the church or is it the one that was raped by 11 men? Is she the uh, one that services, was raped and killed? Your service is a bit slow. Is it my service? Oh my God. Uh, let me switch to my mobile. Okay, so can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay, so Uwa is the one in the church. And so when, when that happened, like I said, we were still trying to like, okay, let me, let me, and then the next thing was contacting us, sent was, sorry, she's dead. And I didn't know where to go from there. Like that was just totally devastating. So National Human Rights Commission or guy with his handle, Tonio Juku O on Twitter, made reference to it. It became a trending topic, you know, all of that. And before we knew what again, another Thing. and it's not the right thing but this is, this is you know all of that and we're already dealing with other cases like that and like prior to Ua there was a girl that was raped by five guys in I'm assuming I'm assuming this the network issue is from my end. My my network is really bad. And that Lola that reported we're going up happened on those states. But it was that okay. in one week, this is just a national topic, but every other week, a call also entered for mine and interrupted. A call entered. But can you can you see me now? Oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can see and hear you now, yes. Okay, so 
So after Uwa, um, Uwa was Barakat, after Barakat, you know, there's another case in Benin where they went to the politicians how to beat him up or something, and he was Killed her um, yesterday. Sorry, Indy, I, I, okay. Can you hear me now? I think that it's, it's raining here. Network is just all over the place. Can you hear me? Hear yeah, me. Yeah, I can hear you now. The, the, the network is just all over the place. Sorry, so... I lost you, but I think I heard you mention a situation in Ondo. I heard you mention a situation in Edo.
you've frozen on my end again. I I don't know if we might have to just restart this. Indy, can you can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, okay. I can. Okay. So so I will, uh, the net. I'm so sorry about the network. Um, no problem at all. Yeah. So I heard you. You mentioned something in a case in Ondo. You mentioned Edo. You, you said Edo, Edo State, Oyo State, Kaduna State, Lagos wow. State. Currently, I just got off one in our little timeout from Nasrawa State, a minor and a banker. So, wow. yeah, all of, all of that. Yeah, it, it, they just keep coming. And um, one of the faults we have in this country is um, data collection. It's a huge yeah, problem with data definitely. collection that we're, yeah. trying to, we're trying to sort out now. So at least they knew what we're doing in trying to collect data of all of these things, help us to know, you know, where this is coming from the most, which places do not have access to reporting systems and the, basic, the, the kind of balance, like, yes, it's rape, but how, you know, the how, the where. Okay. Yes. yes. And we realized that with this lockdown, you know, a lot of things, and this is not to give reasons, but it's just, again, Nigeria has rape culture and the thoughts that a woman's body belongs to. So when they can't get access to prostitutes, cannot do the other things that will give them access to women, you know, go out to drink with them and think they have access to their bodies, give them things and think they have access to their bodies. Any unsuspecting woman becomes... Becomes a victim, and that's what the we've seen. System, yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. That's um, a, that, okay. Carry on. Carry on. I was going to say that's 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 a shame, and that, I think I think that it's obviously the the root cause of all this: the ideology that a woman, culturally, essentially, belongs to a man. You know, in whatever respect, either yeah. it's your either it's your father that you're under or then you go from your father's house into your husband's house, or, I mean, you just... Husband's you, house, yes. You are, like, just always owned by a man. And so men have that, you know, uh, what, what, do you, what do you call it? That, that belief that they can just take from women as they like. But while, while of course, it's, it's terrible that all these cases are, are there, but do you think, do you think people are more are reporting things more now because of the situation that's going on? Because in, in times past, I feel like lots of people are, they're, yeah, they're, I, they're I, less I likely think, to come out. If, if I, I, I think that um, us, if, if I do say so myself, us scaling up our work and improving access to reporting platforms for people okay. has helped many of these cases. So um, prior to this, a lot of organizations can put out numbers, you know, but those numbers was the transparency to let people know that if they put out their reports, they will get response. So bringing as many platforms as we can on social media, we set up the handle for the human rights orga, which we, we made the national human rights uh, NH, at NHRC tweets accessible. Okay. We, we have created at NHRC sorry, sorry. gender. So just at, at, NHRC RC tweets. tweets. That's for okay. Twitter. Okay. At NHRC Online Nigeria is for okay. Facebook. 
and okay. NHRC Nigeria is for Instagram. Okay. Then we have set up NHRC Gender for Twitter, NHRC Gender, Facebook, NHRC Gender, Instagram, so that you know the page is like an advocacy and an activism page for women's rights and against sexual and gender-based violence. So okay. all of this and all of these places are accessible for reports. We have also made ourselves visible, those of us who are attached to this project. I've made myself quite visible okay. for people to know, you know, you can also reach out to me and help come. We have improved, the, like we've increased the conversation on sexual and gender-based violence on the social media space. So people know where to go to. So let me give an example of, of how you're seeing more cases. Yesterday when um, yes. Mr. Tony Ojuku, who is the executive secretary of the NHRC, was talking about, um, was talking about um, the girl whose mother, the two-year-old baby whose mom had beaten her black and blue, who was being raped for the mother said she was sleeping with a man. You know, when we talked about the two-year-old, it, it so, yes, the two-year-old in Lagos, we got her to safety. And in trying to get her to safety, we also got her brother to safety. And in trying to get the two of them to safety, when we got to the community to locate the children, we saw, um, what's the name? We saw... Um, um, a child on the table, yes, um, the child had been struck by lightning. What? And the child's mother was struck too. Yes, a different child. The child's mother was struck too, and the child's mother died. And so the community called um, the government to come and take the corpse. And so when government came, the NATO government that, oh, there's also a child, the government was like, no, in Lagos right now, when we are called to pick corpses, there's a whole procedure because of COVID-19. We, we're not prepared to okay, take the human yeah. being. So they yeah. left the child there. And as they left the child there, the community just left the child there. So when we got there, we just saw this child on the table with wounds and fleas around the wounds. Like I'm talking of very wide wounds, I'll send it to you when, you're, when we're um, done with this conversation. And this child was just waiting yeah. to die. So we had to take that child too. And now that the child's mom is dead, the child had a brother too, a sister. So all four of these children we just carried yesterday. Wow. So yeah. So back now to um, when we were talking about that case yesterday, one woman says, um, one woman said that, um, one woman sent, sent a report and was like, please, they've been trying to get help for her sister in Plateau State, that please, this is her last hope, you know. And typically, that person won't know where to report to, you know. Yes. She won't know to come to us. You probably go there are so many people who say they are first responders you know but won't give you that amount of dedication and this is why we're we keep fighting to put more young people in spaces because yes. you know yes. we're still young our blood is still hot you know we still have that I, energy to do some of these things i i, I, I think so, apart from that i think a, a lot of us uh, sorry to just chug me i think a lot of the, the younger people are more understanding of rape issues and, and, and gender yes, violence than, yes. than that, maybe that the I older generation. Yes. Yes. That, that, yes. I, I found that out too. Um, so in, um, in um, the, some of these conversations we have, for example, you know, older women, even if they are in the space, or older people, especially women, yeah. even if they are in the space, may not understand the way we understand. We also find yeah. out that this will come from a generation where there was a lot of brutality, you know, the military, all of those things. So they are used to negotiating with oppression. So mm. you go into a case and, you know, when, once it becomes a little like this, like this, they start, okay, 
police are not going to give you this. So, so let's just settle for what they are offering. Oh, they are offering you compensation. Mm-hmm. Just take it, you know. But us, with I mean, I've lived most of my life under democratic rule, even though, you know, I can't really vouch for the democracy, but it's not as bad as what my parents grew under. So I'm a child that, yeah. I'm, I'm an adult that, you know, grew up under freedom. So I... Yeah. Um, it's, it's a tad different for me than for some of these people who have been on these battles before us. So what does this mean? It means that I'm going into a yeah. space to not negotiate, but to fight. And if a police or guy, if a military or guy says otherwise, I tell yeah. him to his face, you can't try me. That's not the, the luxury our parents had. That would have been firing squad or you yeah. just, just disappear. So these are some of the things. Now, back to this woman and trying to give you the analogy or the example of um, reporting getting easier. She sent a message and we've been able to get her sister out. Of, in fact, this evening, the Commissioner for Women Affairs in Plateau State herself, we had to arrange for the sister to walk with the four children from the home with the husband who has been abusing her. The husband has poured gasoline on her and the children before and threatened to set them on fire, has made them sleep in gutters before, has beaten her, raped her. Oh, great. Never. Okay. I <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. So I've been hot in the kitchen. I've been hot in the kitchen. Just hold on, please. Sorry, guys. Right. Sorry. I hope this is light. <laughs> So, can you hear the sound of the judge? Sorry, I'm really, really hot here. So, um, so, um, okay. So, so where was I? So, this man has brutalized them. She's tried running away before. She couldn't run away. And this is her finally getting to, it's like, okay, this is just 1.5, I think. So it's, anyway, so trying to run away and she couldn't run away. So we helped get that help today. Like we helped get her out of that situation. And the sister kept telling us that she, they, they just didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to go to. So mm-hmm. what we are seeing now, is not that, oh, it has increased from before. I think, yeah. I don't know how to explain it. Like, Okay, it's it's not that generally. Yes, COVID nineteen is affecting it and making it because people are stuck with their abusers, right? And they yeah. have limited options of where to go to. So there is that sharp increase on that end. However, yeah. another thing we're seeing is people have more places to report to. Their report awareness to. is going out, and they now know where to go to, to report. So we're trying to improve on those reporting channels. And how okay. are we improving on the reporting channels? Okay, yeah. We have reports. Okay, carry on. No, 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 no. No, go on, go on. I'm going to ask you something on that line. Okay, so, I'm going to ask you something on that okay, line. So, so let's re- continue. Yeah. Okay, so for the reporting channels, we have reports.nhrc.gov.ng, which is which was set up for us by um, Yeradua Center, Ostiwa, a couple of you know NGOs coming together. The okay. ID to ensure that this reporting platform is there. So we're still working on the modalities of that. We're also trying to reduce all those cumbersome numbers we always have to send from NHRC. Wait, please, can I have water? So all those numbers we have to send, I think the drug is under here. All those numbers, sorry, this is like an informal show too, so. It's, can, no, no, it's fine, yeah, can, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Okay, thank you, yeah. I can reach out for water. I was like, wait. <laughs> Sorry, my throat is getting a tad dry with all the talking. I kind of, yeah, we can talk Okay. So, um, 
We're working on the situation room for. Yeah, okay, so the cumbersome numbers. Um, if anytime I share, I don't know if you see our videos or all the work we've been doing with awareness. Yeah. If you see those yeah. videos, you will see at the end of it. I think we we'll put some on AIT too. Um, okay. Some human rights PSA videos at the end. Okay, you can call us on, and then you see some four heavy numbers: zero seven zero zero eight zero zero. So we're trying to reduce those to three digit numbers and just one three digit number, and then have you know oh, that whole okay, okay. MTN woman for so, 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 so press one if you want to be served. So, so press this. Yeah. We're working on that. We're working on a situation yeah. room for response to certify people into different places where they are useful to victims and survivors. So if you are a first responder, once the case comes in, we know the location. We send it to first responders in that location once first yeah. responders have 48 hours first 48 what is first 48 if you watch investigation discovery you'll see that there is a show called is it investigation of crime and crime and something either of them yeah. has this show that one show. Over there. <laughs> yes and there's this show called first 48 so first 48 means that whatever happens in some kind of critical cases in the first 48 hours of those cases determine whether those cases like whether they'll get solved successfully or whether they'll hang so there are critical things you need to do yeah. if it is for a rape case you need to get that person medical attention attention okay. yeah you need to get that person medical attention you need to get the person tested and person to a government hospital if it's any kind of brutality you know get the wounds checked all of those things file them immediately, take to the police station, file immediately. And when you finish all of that, you pass the person on to the next step, which would most likely be a shelter and then access to justice, that is lawyers. And, you okay. know, just every other thing, if it's for children, child protective services, all of that. So we're working on that, you know, organizing everyone towards that. And um, we, already, we already have the buy-in of national... Um, the Ministry of Women Affairs. So that's, um, that's something. And yeah, so that is as far as response goes. Um, working on improving data collection or data collection. You know what I don't know. Is this in data or data? I call it data. Data collection. Data came from. Okay, so data. <laughs> so data collection. My mom will be so ashamed of me. Okay. Anyway, so... <laughs> Data, we're working on data collection and um, with data collection is to improve the collection of data on these issues because without data, and Nigeria is functioning without data. In fact, Nigeria is not yeah. functioning and it is not functioning without data. We do not have data for most things. So, yeah. So what we're trying to do is to ensure that with respect to sexual and gender-based violence, we're able to handle data collection to know, you know, why it gives it points to many things why where is this prevalent what's causing this all of that and this is how you can actually start attacking reducing it what are the issues that lead to this what is the general societal response to this kind of rape and all of that so mm. working on that we're working on social reengineering. nigeria has a prevalent rape culture and that is a problem so what is rape culture um oh god off the top of my head as an uludu that i am you know what? Let me Google this thing. But it's a culture that basically excuses rape and yes, Nepal again. It's kind of man to own this shit. He the security man like this is not working. It's not working. Yeah, I think I think, but I think you're on the right track. It's generally a culture that excuses and, and 
Let me say excuses, encourages. Encourages me by like yes. from everything, by giving excuses yeah. for the perpetrator, all of those things. You know, my yeah. neighbor that did not, like my neighbor in the next compound, they didn't even bother to switch off the agenda. Those are wise <laughs> <laughs> And you know, I, I remember I, I was on I, a webinar. I was hosting, okay. I was the moderator for a webinar for the national human rights uh, institutions all over Africa. And I remember smart rights in the... They took my life. Tara, they took my life. <laughs> Nigeria will disgrace and humiliate you. Nigeria will humiliate you. Please switch this off and me. So, so <laughs> yeah, it's it's a culture that that encourages that encourages rape. To be honest, that's yeah. that's just what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So um. So what we are trying to do is social reengineering okay. to, to, to kill that culture. And I remember this, this job gives me the opportunity to do so many things I've wanted to do since my teenage years or childhood because I can remember one time I watched a Nollywood movie, Tara. In that Nollywood movie, Bob Manuel Udoku was poor throughout the movie and he was suffering Meanwhile, this actress, Choma Chuka, was, you know, from a rich family. Things were going fine, you know, all of that. Her family kept asking her, when will you marry? All of those things. She was a well-to-do. I don't even know that she was a lawyer or something, child, but she was well-to-do. And after Bob Manuel has suffered and suffered, one day, we don't know what happened, child, but Choma Chuka died. When Choma Chuka died, Bob Manuel Udoku found himself now... This thing I'm going to tell you about, this is, in fact, the piece de resistance of my story. <laughs> but, but Manuel Odoku found himself in the mortuary where Choma's cold corpse was kept, right? And he doesn't know what came over him. He went on to rape her corpse. Oh. And in the process of raping her corpse, she woke up. And when she woke up, it was, to God be the glory, they raped that Bob Manuel Udoku raped Choma Akota's corpse. Abichoma Chuka's corpse woke her up. And so this is how God now touched their life. Like God has now done something for him. The family said yeah. it's a good thing. He brought their daughter back to life. And then, you know, he, he married her and his life changed for the better. Yes, Tare, I'm not hallucinating. I know that movie I watched. And in our first meeting with Hollywood, that movie we play, like, guys, we could not see. I've noticed that with a lot of our approach to things, Nollywood and the storytelling, yes, I understand that the Nigerian situation is woeful, but Nollywood has not tried to use its platform for reengineering, kind of like what America did with Hollywood. I think it was Reagan. Okay. Yeah. It should be Reagan, yeah. I think, who called Hollywood yeah. pra- practitioners and told them that, look, your job is to paint America in the best light possible because you're doing more than just being movie makers. Yeah, you're doing yeah, so much for us. And yeah. So Hollywood practitioners understood that. So all the superheroes always have the American colors. The superheroes represent, you know, triumph of good over evil. You watch yeah. all these uh, reality shows with their cop stories and it shows that their cops are so on top of the, sto- on top of the situation. Yeah. It's social media that has exposed America, you know, yeah. But it always showed, you know, I always saw those shows where somebody would just faint small time, ambulance would just land, pump your ass, like, hey, these guys. 
It's on social media, I found out that those ambulance rides are $1,000, can go up to $10,000. I was like, what? You know, so Nollywood can do that, but we've used our, our platform to always say the system is bad, the system is bad, the system is bad. And like America, even if there's one bad cop, look at training day. If it's a bad cop, the system will triumph over that bad cop at the end of the day. But Nigeria, mm. it's like you're going and you're going and nothing is working. And then through some miracle, you know, somebody will just show up for you. God will touch somebody's head. person will show up for you. And then to God be the glory, great things he has done. So that has taken people. It has been a system that's kept people like away from expecting justice from the system. And okay. following, oh, a good Samaritan is going to come. A miracle is going to come. It has distracted us from pushing for better. So we need to talk to those people as part of the social engineering. We're putting messages out, messaging out as part of social engineering. I'm doing so much as part of social engineering to ensure that Nigerians now understand the concept of justice, understand that is even for human rights as a whole, understand yeah. the concept of justice, understand that you know a woman, a woman has full autonomy over her body, women's body do not belong, bodies do not belong to you, do not sexualize people's bodies, all of those things. We're putting into that rape is a crime, all of that. So we're pushing those conversations. And yeah, so we're hoping that okay. as we go forward, you know, the couple of the conversations that are coming up and the work that is coming up will just help us to keep putting, help, putting yeah. out this message. We're pa partnering with the Ministry of Information, partnering with the Ministry of Information, partnering with, um, with um, National Orientation Agency, um, okay. Nigerian Police Force. Of course, Nigerian Police Force is another whole issue. They do not understand how to deal with rape. They do not understand how to deal with domestic violence issues, all of that. So the gender unit in the police force is important. Gender is, policy in the police force is important. Is, gender, is, gender policy is, across all organizations are important. Ah, sorry, hold I, on. I would, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad you actually went into mentioning the stakeholders, because that's what I was going to ask you next. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then, sure. and talking, talking about, all of about this. the police, you all said companies. something... Yeah, you said something that I I never knew, and I guess lots of people would not. So the police had a gender unit. No, they are supposed to have a gender. Oh, they are supposed to. If oh, we okay. call what they have a gender unit, I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, because obviously I, I assume that the police should be big stakeholders, you know, when you were talking about reporting cases, yes, my, my, my mind went to mm -hmm. shouldn't the police station be the first point? But then I've also been to the police station with a woman, right? And I, and I see <laughs> yes. what, the, what the response is, even from female officers. So, yeah. And I read, I read a story, uh, I think it was three days ago, about a woman whose uh, sales girl got raped. I think she's, she's under 18 anyways. And she got rid by a delivery man. Yes. And, and they went to the police station. And the women mm -hmm. there were saying, oh, that is she sure she don't enjoy it? That if she, that if she, that if she don't enjoy it, why did she scream mm -hmm. louder? Or why did she do mm -hmm. that? And for me, that's it's ridiculous, right? So so when, when you say that now, but you said that it's not something in place, how, how can the police, how can the police do, how can we hold the the police to be more accountable. You know, I've been thinking about that. What can I mean, be done to, to make them more accountable um, in these situations? I think that um, CSOs need to go all out and do a whole media advocacy thing against police's response to sexual and gender-based violence. Because if you call them out enough times, they'll sit up. And we're organizing towards that, getting as many 
people to go on and speak and say this is what women face when they go to report cases and you know we need to go at that um we're doing a call we're we're, we're doing a visit to the ig of police on wednesday okay. Okay. <laughs> i need to check up on the progress with that we're doing a visit to the ig of police on wednesday um to lay some of these things and the way forward of course, again, putting forward the issue of the gender unit and how that needs to be scaled up in every police station in yeah. Nigeria. Um, on Friday, when I had to go to Zone 7 headquarters to go and fight, um, one of our partners, Martin Sobono, was picked up, was carried, like was locked by the police, and they arrested by the police. And we went there and they made a whole joke about rape and all this stuff. So yeah. what we ended up what I ended up doing that day was ensuring that the executive secretary of the Human Rights Commission came to the police station and, um, and um, um, yeah, Dr. Fatima Waziri, who is a senior special assistant on rule of law to the vice president. I needed, you know, all the offices, all the higher offices yeah. in the land to come and see what's going on towards change. And as we left there, it was agreed that, look, something needs to happen. So we're going to be working in... in, in um, we're going to be working hand in hand with other government agencies and government uh, bodies and, you know, arms of government and everything to ensure that this is done and it is scaled to all 36 states plus the FCT. Okay. Um, shelters are important too. Yes. FCT, for example, <laughs> FCT, for example, um, seems to be not, uh, federal capital and you think we have better, you know, shelters, all of those things. No. Lagos is the model for um, sexual response to sexual and gender-based violence. Okay. Um, Abuja is not doing as good. I would hail Ekiti because of uh, Erelu BC Fire Me. Okay. But yeah, outside of some of these places, Kaduna State, yes, yes. No, but most people are just trying to scale up. And with the efforts going forward now, the Minister of Women Affairs is going to call a meeting. You know, we're going to do so many things going forward. There's going to be like two weeks of activities towards understanding and pushing forward against sexual and gender-based violence. So it's, it's, it's quite some work. It's quite some work. And yeah, we're putting it in. And what I'm happy about, like I said, is that as a young person, I have an opportunity here to, to kind of like reform an institution with, mm. with the cooperation and, you know, the work of the leaders of that institution. It gives us an opening into creating the change we want to also gives me an opportunity to see how difficult it is to run a government or run a government office. It's, it's not as easy as, it's not as, I, easy I also, as it seems. I, I also think that yeah. I, I don't know how feasible because you've probably been to more police stations than I have, but like when, when I go, like what I see, the, the structures themselves, the infrastructure is terrible, but I think maybe if they had like- it's terrible if they had like cameras at least at the front area just to see how people respond of where people, i mean of the police station yeah it sounds ridiculous but like I, that's the thing i'm i'm looking for from my mouth <laughs> because I'm, I'm thinking like what would make them mm. what would make them be accountable what would make them act the right way you know so but yes we, we will definitely keep in touch and follow up on the progress with that so lastly what i yeah. what i want you to talk on lastly is uh, I saw that there's, first of all, I saw a petition online uh, asking mm -hmm. for, for rape and rape culture and issues to be 
introduced into the educational system. But I also saw that the House of Reps, House of Reps have have had a sitting on these issues. Are you are you aware of what was discussed and what was? Um, one of the things I think the major thing, Harriet, please keep me up to date. What the House of Reps discussed or was that castration for rapists, right? Okay. And they threw it out. Yeah, they threw it out. And what else? No, I'm talking to. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm talking I know, to I know, I know. Yeah. Okay, so they agreed to that. But they throw out castration. Okay, so a lot of women have been enraged about the fact that they threw out castration, castration. but they agreed to. <laughs> yeah, yes, and they're like, oh, these people don't care about us. And I mean, if I saw that too, I would throw it out. Now, what rape doesn't need is an extremity. <laughs> I will, I'll tell you why. Yeah. What the solution to a structural or a systemic problem, right, is not throwing in the most harsh punishment ever. It's reforming okay. that system first. Yeah. So what would happen in the Nigerian system is if you pay death penalty for rapists or castration for rapists, what, first of all, let's think of who has to castrate. Let, let's think of that. <laughs> Secondly, like, imagine I'm introducing you. Like, hi, meet my friend, Tare. He's in charge of castration. <laughs> like, would that be your job? Tarev, castrator, castrator, castrator general of the federation. I, I would actually be happy to do that. Like, job description. If you're writing me a email, <laughs> sign Tarev, the castrator. castrator. So, yeah. like, like, chief castrator. <laughs> so, um, that aside, that aside is the fact that when you throw these extremities, when you now go to police station, the first Think people start thinking about is ah this small boy you want to make them castrate him so the case is out mm. you know this small boy death penalty you want to finish his life so the case is out mm. once the more you increase the extremities without solving the structural problem this is going to make rapists get away with it because police will make it so difficult they understand with rapists so much they make it so difficult okay and they'll tell you madam haba now just this thing you go forgive you know no so we need mm. A systemic change we need that gender you need to be well educated everything and we need to stay on course for like as long as we can so yeah. that this can carry on instead of you know doing the the oh kill them oh do this one that you know that 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 doesn't that will work from nowhere that will work okay. from nowhere so we have to stay on course with respect to education we're setting up human rights clubs in school so apart from sexual and gender-based violence nigerians don't really like human rights no, if police yeah. shoot you now, you find you find people yeah. that will have excuse like ah, let me tell you, they drive anyhow. Now why they shoot them now? You know, <laughs> like Nigerians are not really fans of human rights. You know, no, we still not. lynch people. We lynch people in public when yeah. we see arm robber like ah, they catch a murder and kill him. You know, and even the castrate talk. Yep, that is signs that we don't really know like human, human rights. Right. So true. If we yeah. set up, we, what we want to do is to catch them young, set up human rights club in, clubs in schools, schools yes. and teach children human rights. Teach them yes. about the autonomies of their bodies, rights of girls, of boys, of everybody. <laughs> and as they grow, hope that they imbibe that and that the next generation is better than ours. Better than yeah. ours. Okay, Indy, thank you very much. This this has been very insightful. We always Thank appreciate you. having you. 
Thank you for having me. It's been great stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, I would I would also get all those handles and links from you. So that Okay. All right. And if there's a, a place I can watch this again or go to. Yes. Just, uh, no. Uh bef- even before it's up, I would I would share it with you and then before okay. we share it with the world. Okay. okay. And and when we are working on social reengineering, accidental discharge and well, this would be a really good platform for us to definitely you know, we're always yeah. we're always we're always available for that. Even right. you know, even I anything you're going for. All right. There. All right. Thank, Thank you, Ty. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay, guys, that was Indy talking about human rights and the work that's being done by the Human Rights Commission in Nigeria, also talking about rape, rape issues, rape culture, and where we are and where we're hoping to get to. Uh, we're expecting, okay, so Marie just joined us. Uh, she works with the Stand to End Rape Initiative, but she'll introduce herself. Hi, so Marie. Hi, good evening. Hi, good evening. We can't see you. Do you know what does to see you? Oh, no, you cannot see me. <laughs> okay, we'll just listen to you. So just introduce yourself and then we'll... Okay, my name is Okay, my name is Sobomari Setting. I'm a program and advocacy officer with Stanton and with Initiative. Okay. Okay, so we'll just get right into it. Stand to end rape. Okay. I mean, I don't need to tell you where we are in Nigeria. You you are probably at the forefront of that. So what are the situations? What's going on now? Rape has definitely taken the forefront. There have been all these cases. And the person we just spoke to just, just reeled out. I, I feel like she's mentioned like 20 cases in the last... One week or two, so mm-hmm. you just you just tell us from your point of view in in your field what you've been seeing on ground. I disagree that it's on the forefront of our of our minds, like in moments. I think okay. what we're seeing is like social media sens- sensationalism. So we're we're seeing more reports of it in social yeah. media because, like, of course, like that's where we are right now. Everything's on social media, so it feels like oh, it's all in our faces. But I don't think we're giving it as much attention as we should with how rampant and how deeply entrenched rape culture is in Nigeria. Because just like two days ago, there was a video of a woman beating her two-year-old daughter because she was being abused by a man in the neighborhood. And that is a story almost everywhere because we were a bit privileged, like to think that our story is a story of Nigerians, but we're not the average Nigerians. The average Nigerian is poor. And the average Nigerian, when he or she is raped, is either laughed at for even coming out to speak up about it. So that's when his boys, it happens to. And then when his girls, they are completely blamed. They are given no support whatsoever. So I don't even think we've scratched the surface of how deep a rot rape is in it's, Nigeria. It's interesting you say that because like, I, 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 that's what goes through my mind a lot. I, I don't have a lot of conversations about 
reporting issues on socially um, on the internet. Let me say it like that. In person, one on one, I can have conversations with people, but and I feel like, and I also felt in this moment, or I hoped in this moment, that it isn't just a social media thing, right? It's not just people feel like in this moment, yeah, this is the right thing to do. It's the right, um, it's the right hashtag to push out. It's the right, as they say, amplif- amplification of voices, which are all fine and good, but do we really believe those things? Are we really ready to stand for those things? Do we understand when people say what rape culture is or how we encourage it or how we, yeah, how we encourage it? And, and that's why I look for people like you who are clearly like always in the trenches, like doing the work. Clearly to someone like you, the cases are not anymore now. They're just more popular now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So now let's, let's, let's go to rape culture. And, and, I, and I quite okay. agree yeah. with you. I quite agree with you when you say yeah. that, um, with what you said earlier about a lot of people just posturing. So you have a lot of people saying, oh, say no to rape. And you have a lot of people saying stuff. But people don't really understand what rape culture is. Yeah, and how they play a part in it, and people who understand what consent is, so they just say what they think is going to sound right. Like right. somebody called yeah. out him, um, somebody related to David Doabi, someone that does something for David. So he was saying that um, women should arm themselves with um, pepper sprays, same way they buy posting or two and all of that. And then I don't know if it's fake news. I'm going to fact check it, but somebody said and added proof that he had been. Um, he had been sent out of NYSC and wasn't given his certificate because he sexually assaulted somebody. And then something was even happening on Twitter yesterday where someone came and made a post and said she wants to be touched inappropriately. And then men were telling her that she wanted to be raped. And even Uche, the um, director of consent workshop, was saying, oh, no, that's different. Do you understand? So I can that's say I want yeah. a first sex rule. I can say I want a first sexual yeah. role play with somebody. That does not mean I want to be raped, but yeah. people don't understand these two nuances yeah. and they don't want to understand these nuances. So they just want to justify it to themselves that women really want to be raped and we, we don't mean it when we say we don't want to be raped. So it's, it's a lot of posturing going on and not like real education. There, there is. And I think, I think you've, you've also hit a nail on the head with the idea of consent. I think because a lot of people ideally don't on, uh, mm, backtrack. Yeah, lots of people, but majority of men, but there are also women who even no, even women, um, even women don't, yeah. even women don't understand consent because consent, consent even yeah. goes. Consent even goes further away. It's not, it's not even about sex alone. Consent is about everything. So you find everything. that as Nigerians, we don't have boundaries. I'll be sitting in the airport and someone will come tuck my bra in into my shirt without asking if it's okay to do that. And she'd feel that, she'd feel that it's okay to do because she's a woman. Because, yeah, and I learned yeah. that consent was important for women the hard way. So in university, I had like a bunch of friends. And then we had a friend who was like well in that. She had like nice tits and and nice 
and he nice ass. And we used to play with her and like we used to touch it. Yeah. And it never occurred to me that we just used to touch it without asking okay. her. Do yeah. you understand? So that was my own way of learning consent. And then because we used to touch it and she was cool with it. And they used to touch me back. And then one day I remember I touched one of my friends. She used to touch me a lot and it was normal. And I touched her and she wasn't expecting it. And she reacted and she slapped me. It was a hard slap. Yeah. yeah. So it was reflex action. She just felt yeah. like she was being violated. And then that was her initial response. And then she apologized to me. She was really very sorry. But then I sat down to think about it. And I was like, well, she doesn't owe me an apology. Because I yeah. didn't ask. Do you understand? And, yeah. and that was a turning point for me. So from then moving on onward, I told them, I was like, if you're going to touch me, please ask me. And if I'm going to touch you, I will ask you to. So even women don't understand consent. it's not even even a men problem the reason why we focus more on men is because they have the power in most relationships to to cause harm women don't Mm. have that power but but women don't understand consent as well so 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 how do you think how do you think from your work all right and engaging with people with victims and seeing perpetrators and dealing with the police and the system how do you think we can change this? What do you think the steps we need to take to Man. change this? It's, it's, it's going to be a long, gruesome work. So I remember I tweeted a few days ago that no matter what, what moves we make and no matter what progress we make, I, can, I, I cannot be happy. Mm. I can't celebrate. Even when we do like major, major things, like, like when we go nap tip to accept to like have a sex offenders registry, I still can't be happy because I know that we've not even scratched the surface. So um, what's, what, what I say in, in moving forward in, and in changing the culture we have is that there has to be a lot of education. There has to be a lot of education. So I try to say to people that the fastest way to educate people is to educate people like around you. So if you know, if you if you know what consent is and you're also doing the work to learn and unlearn all that rape culture has taught us, you try to talk to the people in your inner circle, get them to realize that boundaries are important important and like consent is important and explain to them really in detail what consent is because i logged into twitter this evening and i saw a tech bro saying he had created an application for consent so people could fill forms before they had sex that means he doesn't understand what consent is because yeah, we could be in the middle of sex and i'd withdraw consent and yeah. i should it should be respected but people yeah. don't know that so if you know better try to educate people around you especially young children children yeah. have no and we have this we have this conception in nigeria that if you teach children about sex early you're spoiling them but it's rather foolish i want to give a talk <laughs> in school, um, during international women's day and I was telling them that they could not consent to sex until they were the age of 18. And one of the, the organizers said, um, you shouldn't have sex until you're married. That is so irresponsible and unrealistic because we all know, I'm not even, I, I funny enough did not even have sex early, but I was, I was considered a late bloomer because by secondary school, when I was leaving secondary school, we were 16, everyone had experimented. When mm. I mean almost everyone, people wouldn't yeah. experiment to uni felt like they were missing out on something. Maybe they entered uni, they started doing stuff. So you can't lie to yourself. You know what you did when you were that age. So why do you expect that it will be different from your for your children and then you shy away from these things? I, I was also on a radio show last week and I was saying the same thing, that when you're teaching sex education to children, you start teaching to them as early as when they can talk. Tell them what their organs are, call their sexual organs by their name, call it a penis, call it a vagina, 
you know, it, don't call it, it like pet names, it, and then teach them what it is. Sex not supposed to be something that is shameful. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it's interesting you said that because I, I, I had that conversation with someone two days ago, and a lot of times, and I, and I think it's just like you said, a Nigerian thing. We don't forget about talking to your child about sex. We don't even just talk about sex. Yeah. Like you see, you see people get married. They can't even like talk to their partner, their husband. Yeah. yeah. Sex is seen as such a taboo thing from yeah, young like such kids. a taboo conversation. Yeah. So you can, so you never just have it, and you know, because you are not talking to your kids even from a young age about these things, about as you say, sex, consent rape, rape culture, what is right, what is wrong. Um, they don't also have that comfort to come tell you when there's a problem, yeah. when there's an issue or when something has happened, you know, mm-hmm. because in the back of their mind, they always still have it that, oh, this thing is so bad. If it does not happen to me, I, I don't want to tell mommy or daddy. Yeah. So, and that person that's abusing them keeps telling them, ah, don't tell this person, don't tell anybody. They'll look at you like they... They instill that fear in them that we have yes, also yes. created in them in the first yes. place. And and perpetrators perpetrators know that and no, they yes, use that. They know yeah. they know you can't talk to your mother because it's such a bad situation that I talk about sex with my mom. I haven't told her I'm having sex because she has told me about her sexual experiences. And if I tell her I've had sex, I'll have to just have my own <laughs> thing. <laughs> Well, yeah. so that's why I haven't told her. But we have like very, <laughs> we have like very open conversations about sex. Like she tells me about okay. the sexual experiences she had when she was a young girl. But it's funny that we're that close. But I still couldn't tell her about like I still I still found it difficult to tell her when I was abused. Okay. So so if it was difficult for me, you can imagine yeah. how difficult it would be for a child. Yeah who has who never have that, yeah. had that conversation with their parents so so in in all your work like in so because this is something that's also been in my there's another question I, I had in line but like we already drifted this way it's something that's been in my mind um okay. so i'm very i'm very churchy anyone that knows me knows that i'm like a church boy kind of i believe in god and all that but like in in this situation i haven't really seen a response from the church. I don't know you guys that are in the field. Do you feel that the church is, is supports these movements as they should? Oh no, I, I think I think rape culture is even perpetrated by the church because of purity culture and mm. how and how they put all of the burden of 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 things like that on women so it's it's a woman who is unclean it's in church mm. it's a woman I, I i also i used to be a church girl up until maybe like two years ago and and it's a terrible situation because mm. the things were taught in church like i i even tweeted a few days ago that the exact same way i felt dirty after being sexually abused is the same way i felt dirty after having consensual sex for the first time and and that's a function of purity culture, where you are taught, you are taught like you're taught sex in a very warped way. Do you understand? It's something you you it, we are taught that you save your virginity for your husband, and if you're a virgin and you pray to God, it has more weight. If you if you stay a virgin and you get married and you pray to God, it has more weight than someone who you know was reckless 
and did not marry a virgin and all of that stuff. Mm. So I think it's, it's I think it's going to take a very long time because the church doesn't want to accept that they've played a major role in in this epidemic. So it's going to take a lot of shaming okay. to bring you know, them to you, you know to change their stance. For for, for me, I, I I believe in the church that Jesus Christ came to to build, right? A one of a church of love of you know accepting people as they are and understanding that someone's sin is the same as your sin right it's no it's no bigger or it's no less and and as and the church is supposed to be a safe haven for everyone it's supposed to be a body that cares for everyone doesn't matter you don't have to be a christian for the church to care for you right so yeah it shocks me that something like this can happen like people's voices are being raised like there's uproar there's their protests and I don't, in fact, I, I just learned yesterday that one of the rape cases, I think the one where the girl was murdered also, occurred yeah. in a church, in a, in a redeemed yeah. church. I knew what the church yeah, was, I knew what the redeemed church. But the, but what the, was the response like, to that? The response initially was even favorable. I, I think I heard... The response to it was to say that um, we should pray for the general overseer of the church. To pray for him that what? It, it felt like they were being attacked, and that should not be your response. No, that. So, so I, I didn't even know all that. So I, I just, I just, I just kept looking and waiting and seeing when they would say something about everything that's going on because it's like on a daily basis there's a new case, the new case, the new case. Like this is where you expect the church to come forward to, even if you don't want to lead the lines, as they say, amplify those voices. I don't even need to, I, I, I don't want anyone to tell me that they are praying for them or they are praying for their family. I don't need that. All these pastors, all these Jews, all these archbishops, uh, imams, all of them, in wherever religious, they have access to, to DPOs and IGs and governors. Like, put pressure on these people to get the justice that we need. Lend your voice. Trend the issue. Like, every so often you see churches coming out to try and trend one thing. All religious, religious personalities, the singers. I'm not hearing. I'm not hearing their voices. I'm not hearing them. And for me, it's for me as a Christian, it's quite disappointing. But let's let's move on from that. You mentioned NAPTIP and a sex offenders register. What's going on with that? Because I think we first heard about that last year, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So you're where right. are we? Yeah. Where are we at with that? Oh, oh, we've actually done great work because they just published um, okay. they just published the first list of people like and their okay. locations, their numbers. I was particularly happy because there was one case that that I was very pers- I took very personally. It was the case of um, a teacher in Chrisland group of schools who um, okay. oh, I think had I been heard accused that. yeah of yeah. serially abusing the kindergarten yeah. children in his care, and he had particularly assaulted this two year old, and her mother refused to keep. So she spoke truth to power and um, they got justice. And she even tried to get the other parents who he had done the same thing to their kids to come out and speak up. But those parents, because of how rape culture is, it's, it's understandable. They felt it would bring, it would attack more stigma to them to speak up to them. than um, to keep quiet and cover it up. So they kept quiet and covered it up. And it was it was quite sad because Chris Land School's response to that case was to hire a son 
for the teacher in question and defend him. And then they came out to say when the story broke on social media that it was a ploy by some people to smear their good name. That was, they, they, they let out a statement. And then, thankfully, I and then I, I, I particularly remember a Twitter user, ARD2, who said that um, it was possible that a two-year-old could have been coached to say what she said. The girl, the, the, the child in question was two years at the time when the assault happened. And, and that was what he said. And thankfully, the guy got his sentence of 60 years in jail. So Natif has just um, published his okay. first list. I had a problem with some of the things that he said because he said it wasn't going to be all offenders they were going to. It was going to de- depend on the sexual offense before it would be public. So some were not going to be public and some are, but they have released um, a first list. So we're okay, happy about this, that progress. This, and list we is, make this list is... It is it. In, well, I can send it to you. I yes, okay. So no, but can you also just say where it can be found? So the listeners Yes, you can find it. You can find it on Naptip website. Naptip so let me just confirm what that is and before the end okay. of the conversation I'll tell everybody. Okay. So let's just uh we'll round up with two things. Uh police. What's your experience with the police and <laughs> what, what what can be done better in terms of the police aiding you see how in America now they are protesting and saying that they should overhaul everything and start from the beginning. Yes. That's really what we have to do in Nigeria. That's what we have to do? Nigeria. Because a few days ago, we... Yes, that's what we have to do because we are police are rapists. I mean, everybody remembers the case we had um, a few... Uh, last year, yeah? Where... Where... Um, the police um, the police was used by some state sanctioned civil servants to harass sex workers and even non sex workers in abuja and what did the okay, police yeah, do in that yeah, case yeah. these these girls were arrested and yeah. police asked for yes and the police raped them in turn for them yeah. to, to get bail so my experience yeah. with the police has really been terrible i call them out every chance i get and i don't think it's something that whenever we call them out prcs or they they sent some people for training and they're doing this and they're doing that but it's it all doesn't make any sense sorry sorry i don't understand so when when they are called out is then that they go they don't they don't get this sensitivity training before they're hired no they don't get sensitivity training before they're hired and and then i would also reference something that's the police pr or in um in abuja said once it said that when you go to a police station the person that the person that meets you at the desk is equivalent to a a messenger in civil service so how do you expect such a person to have the sensitivity to attend to a rape case. So we had a situation a, a couple of weeks ago where a survivor called and she had, before she reached out to us, before she heard about the organization, she had by herself gone to the police station. And what mm. the policemen did to her, instead of like trying to find the person who did it. So she said when they were doing it to her, they had referenced that one of them was the child of a police officer. They made her to not add that in her statement and said she should never speak such a thing anymore. And then they didn't all only do that. They made her to believe the experience and were visibly turned on by her recounting this ordeal. 
And they didn't even just let it up at that. After she recounted the ordeal and they re-traumatized her, one of them asked her out and, and said something in the lines of, he wants to enjoy what the rapist enjoyed. So oh. without, yeah, without an iota of doubt, you know that such a person will do the same thing. So how do you expect such a person to fight for a survival or to get justice for a survival? And then mm. even going away from sexual violence, I don't know what your own personal experience of the police has been but last year i was fortunate enough to have a police case and then i realized that in nigeria most times justice is for sale so if i have a problem mm. with somebody all i need to do is go to a police station and pay the dpo and have the dpo arrest wherever i want arrested the only way that person can get away from my grip is if the person has a higher power to overrule the dpo or pays the DPO a higher amount of money. This is for regular cases like theft and mm. misdemeanors. So if that is their reaction with simple matters like that, what would be their reaction with complex matters? So it has to be a whole overhauling. It can't be, it's not anything about sensitivity training or that's that's like um, using a band-aid for a deep ulcer. Mm. Okay, so so lastly uh in terms of uh legislation and uh, uh, let me just say our leaders but also those in the legislative because i know they've deliberated or i saw that they've deliberated on it what's what's the situation there are you most are of you, this is actually yeah. just talks when, when when you have like a wave of it, it's just like what's going on in america now i saw a picture of some people kneeling down somewhere and they had kentes over their necks and to be honest i thought the kentes were photoshopped on them only to find out that it was really it was so it will it would be hilarious if the situation wasn't really sad and depressing so i feel that even in nigeria it's the same thing so same same way we said earlier that there's a lot of posturing so when you hear, oh, there's a lot of cases and right now people are calling their legislators because we're giving numbers and even us were calling legislators and telling them to do something about it. But they're not even doing any work because now we have the VAP Act. And even if I am not completely satisfied with the VAP Act, because for instance, it doesn't address marital rape, the VAP Act has only been domesticated in a few states. I don't think it has been domesticated in up to six states in Nigeria. And we have 36 states. And lawmakers are not doing anything to see this domesticated. Because at the end of the day, we are all complices in rape culture. So before mm. anybody stands up to do something, they're also thinking, before I go and can give this blow, yeah. yes, let's not come back to me one day. And if you're, if you're doing the work, if you're doing the work like I am trying to do, you realize that you have also been complicit in recultures in different ways and you have to unlearn, seek restitution and all of that before you even say you want to begin the work. And how many people want to do that? Like you have consent conversations on Twitter and people are realizing that you probably have coerced somebody before. So they'll never agree that coercion is rape because that would mean they are rapists. So yeah, that's, that's you, you, you see, you can, and, and sometimes this is my problem with, again, I think, I think it's an African thing where we, we never want to see ourselves as being wrong. We never want to take, take blame. But sometimes you, can, yeah, sometimes you can just see a situation and be like, hey, I didn't know. This is my story. I've been through this. 
and I'm guilty of it, but you know, in the time, I didn't know. I didn't know that what I was doing was wrong. I didn't know it was rape. I didn't, yeah. you know. was wrong. And, and, you know, sometimes even the person that you have done that to can forgive you because of that, as opposed to trying to posture or trying to say, no, it can't be rape if this or if that. But like you said, it, what is, is, right? It, it, it's not going to be different just because you want it to be different. But yeah, uh, so Ibomari, thank you for joining us. Were you able to find that, find that NAPTIP in, uh, website? Oh, yes, yes. Um, so let me, let me say it to them. Thank you for having okay. me. Yeah. So it's um, www.naptip.gov.ng. So if you go on there, you'll be able to see the offenders list and it'll be updated. They promise that it'll be updated as frequently. Yeah. Okay. NAPTIP.gov.ng. GOV.ng. Yeah. So you said they will be updating it as frequently as? Yes, as possible. They promised that they would do so. And so far, so good. Okay. Well, I think we're glad with that. It's... You know, for me, when all these things started, all I wanted to really see was was progress. I was, I had a deep fear, and because it started at the same time with the issues in America, I had a deep fear that we would end up just doing the same things that they've been doing. And you know, while while there seems to be a lot of like uproar now, we need to remember that they've been this has been happening for decades. Americans have been suffering racism for centuries, and every so often they get up, they protest, they go in the streets, there's looting, there's violence, there's marches, there's... and sometimes you think that you've got some a semblance of victory, and you realize that you're just in the same place. They give you a small crumb here, you feel like, okay, yeah, we've achieved this, yeah. the same place. And for me, I want to see real progress with us so that these situations, this rape yeah. culture dies out. I don't, I don't want my kids, guys, um, sons or daughters growing up in a world where, you know, as a, as a boy or as a man, you are always perceived as a threat because you don't understand what consent is or you don't understand what rape is or you don't understand how to treat a woman or just a, another human being, right? And yeah. I know my daughter's growing up, you know, always looking over their shoulder. You're with your boyfriend, yeah. or you're with your uncle, or with your brother, or, or with your father. And, yeah. and you're not comfortable enough to just be with the person. You're be yourself, always, yes. Yeah, and it's, it's, not even, it's not even just, the, the problem for boys is not even that they will be perceived as potential repeasons or proven otherwise. Is that you find out that we most men, their first sexual experiences were sexual assault Assault. and that plays a role in how you carry on with your life so if if your first sexual experience was assault and most boys don't even realize that it's assault it's something they brag about and they feel oh they took something from the person instead of 
realizing that actually they were the ones that were stolen from. So when you have that idea, it completely messes you up. So when you're even yeah. hurting another person, you don't even know that you're hurting another person. And sure, you can sure. never take responsibility and do better. So it's something that even starts early with everybody. So yeah. you have children and you're on the lookout. Do you understand? I see, yeah. like, I, I live with my sister-in-law and her little baby. And when we're together, she's badging in the room. Do you understand? Or she's going to check where he is. And you can see that there's a bit of paranoia in yeah. her. Do you understand? Because she does not want that to be his experience. But at the end of the day, she can't even protect him. So yeah. you can't even protect. Nobody can protect their child. So we all have to work hard and come together to make sure that this thing ends so that our children can be safe in society. Yeah. That is true. That's a fantastic way to end this. So Barry, thank you once again for joining us. And all the best in the work that you're doing. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Have a good Thank night. you very much. You too. Bye. Bye. Uh, so guys, that was Submari working with Stand to End Rape Initiative here in Abuja. Uh, that was a nice conversation. We have our last guest just jumped in. And so, sir, you can put on your mic now. Hi. Uh, and if you watch the podcast, you remember Sosa. She's been with us before. Uh, Sosa is going to join, join us from New York. Yeah. Where I believe, that's, I believe that's Buffalo, New York is where this all started. Right? Buffalo's kind of far. It's, it's New York, New York. So yeah. in the city, we're down in the city. Yeah. So yeah. she's going to tell us a bit about the whole Black Lives Matter and what's going on in america if i couldn't even tell you what's going on i'm not even going to lie to you um there are lots of things that are going on um obviously there's a big conversation about racism but i think it runs into police brutality yeah um so i think the world is way more in solidarity with police brutality um, just because I think it's happening more around the world. Now, not to say that racism is not happening around the world, but um, it's obviously more prevalent in our system here. It's not just somebody screaming out racist laws at you and things like that. It's built into yeah, the very yeah. DNA of this country. So um, the movement here is, I want to say it, it has been a little bit corrupted by all the looting and... Um, all the destruction and all those things, but I mean the message is clear, and I think it remains the same. Which is, yeah, I, I, I think no one, no one, I mean, no one supports looting, but we, we, you understand that it's, it's always kind of a byproduct of these situations. Right. It's, it's important that, it's important that, like the president, like your president, has tried to do, people don't use it as a distraction from from the protests and what the protests stand for. Right. And yeah. I think that's what's going on. I think that just in the type of narrative that is always the case for racism in this country, it is always distracting from the main points, right? We yeah. find something that is the most evil in that situation, whether it's painting the victims black or trying to pull out the past um, of the victims to justify the reason why oh, these yeah. things yeah. It's the same thing that's happening with this movement now, which is, oh, let's not pay attention to it because there's looting. 
you know mm. but even within that context too, within the race within the movements against racism there's police brutality there's still police brutality there still, yeah, in exactly. the protests in the pro- yes 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 on on and on what seems like like such a large scale and it's i don't i don't know what to say it's like you said, we know that this thing exists. Like it exists all over the world. There's police brutality everywhere. But right. now it's 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 such on a level that as 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 it's being bandied around that it shows a real systemic um what were traits towards it. It's like these people are really just trained to not care. So right. they don't care that cameras are on them, they don't care that they are abusing people's lives after right. killing someone. They just, this is just how they've been institutionalized. Absolutely. Act. Absolutely. Yeah. The FBI actually released a report a few years ago about, a lot, about how a lot of police officers are actually white nationalists. So <laughs> you have this, and, you, and there's also this culture in America where if you're a police officer, most likely your father is a police officer. Thank you your grandpa for watching Accidental Discharge. So I, I think also that mentality that is passed down in the family, you know, mm. is also channeled through to the actual profession of being a police officer, which is sad for a lot of good police officers, right? A lot of police officers are not racist. You know, you have that stigma that is attached to them, like, okay, they are going to be brutal, which again, mm. if you look at the black race in America, that is also the stigma, stigma that we are portrayed yeah. as, right? That we are dangerous, that we are yeah. aggressive, and that's not really the case. So yeah. it's 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 challenging. So so what would you say what would you say is is different about this movement this year, this time than right. previous movements? Right. But I mean we see we see Black Lives Matter pop up, I think well, maybe it was like November or so, there was a different in- incident mm-hmm. that led to right. outrage again. But like, what, what would you say is different? What's, what's in the atmosphere or in the message would you say is different this time? I think the message, honestly, is the same, but there's just more of an awareness. And I think the reason is, number one, um, well, I marched in Washington for Trevor Martin. I also did okay. a march for Eric Garner and for Philando Castile. And this mm-hmm. is completely different because, number one, we're all at home. Okay, yeah. we're all at home because of coronavirus. So a lot of us are paying more attention to social media. We're paying more attention to the news. We're also frustrated with being at home, you know? At home, so yeah. I, yeah, so I mean, naturally, yeah. the human inclination is to, to, to pay more attention to what's going on outside of us. Um, that's why when people are coming out, even though, that the, even though the virus is around, I'm not sensing that people really care. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, we'd rather die by the virus or die by, than die by police. Yeah. So um, there's, there's a charge. There's a real big charge here. I know, like, especially in New York, I have never seen this amount of people protest in New York. That's number mm. one. Number two, because there's so much awareness, we're seeing a lot of white, um, a, lot, a lot of white people, a lot of Latino people, a lot of non-black um, non-black minorities also okay. participating in this project. Yeah. Now, some part of me is like, okay, the reason there, there are some part, there's some people who actually genuinely care, right? 
And then there are some people who are also using this as an opportunity to A, get out of the house if we are going to be quite honest, right? B, participate in a movement that they may not even understand, but the fact that their friends are doing it, they want to jump in and do it. Um, but I also see a lot of education happening here. I think the biggest difference is that a lot of us, and I know in the black community, we say it's not our responsibility to educate white people. But in my circle, I'm seeing a lot of people ask questions. They're asking questions. They really want to hear the stories. I think there's a lot more solidarity that is going on than has ever happened before. And I think it's just honestly, the video went, the video of, of, the video went viral. It went viral. Mm. Um, I think it went, went viral and it really hit home that this is happening. And then this was also the second killing that happened in a month. Mm. Right? So we are all at home. We watch one killing. We're like, oh my God, oh my God. We watch the second killing. We're like, wait, something's not right here. And mm. so I think that's what has really sparked this into be a global movement. And then also I'm finding that a lot more celebrities are speaking out. Um, nope. At least on the American side. <laughs> on the American side, um, a lot more celebrities are speaking out. A lot more celebrities are making this um, a big part of their platform. And then another thing that's a big contributing factor to this is the type of president that we have. And that's all I'm going to say about that matter. Uh, you don't want to say more into that? <laughs> about the type because, of president that we have? Yeah, and, and, how, and, how, and how it's affecting the situation. I think that there's something to say about leadership. Mm. Okay, let me talk more about leadership. And I think leadership involves empathy. Yeah. And I don't think the American people have really seen any empathy from this particular leader since he has been elected. And I think that is a big contributing factor to it. Um, there's a lot of propaganda and props right? You're seeing the holding of the Bible. You're seeing, you know, maybe people are going, you're going to hug the little black child or whatever the case may be for a photo op. But you can tell from the way this government is structured and the constant firing and rehiring of cabinet members that this government is pretty unstable right now. And I think that has a lot to do with the personality and the character traits of our leader. Not to say that he may have not been an, a positive influence in some aspects. I don't know. I don't relate to that. But I think every leader needs to have empathy and have empathy for the people. In the previous, in the last speech that I listened to, to be honest, there was a lot of blaming and there wasn't any mentioning, there wasn't any solidarity, there wasn't any um sorrow with the people there wasn't any sort of dialogue about how we're going to move forward and make any whole scale change so i know i know i know you can definitely not know and like this is a little bit off our direction but what 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 do you think is going through his mind right i mean because right. this is clearly elections <laughs> election season right and right they, uh, it doesn't look like it's 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 looking good for him, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And, and and one could argue that yeah, it's not looking good for him. But then we really don't know, do we? Right? We don't, right? We because really this this is the polarizing way he was the first time. Exactly. <laughs> so we have to be very careful, especially because his opponents right now. I don't think he has a strong hold strong. on the minority community. I don't think so at all. Okay. Um. I think what is happening is 
a lot of the places where the protests are happening, right? Like you're seeing a lot of like Minneapolis, for example, um, mm -hmm. Ohio. These are like states and places that really have like weight in their votes. You know yeah. what I'm trying to say? Another thing about this is that his type of constituency, he has a particular constituency um, that caters to, I, I'd say, um, the lower demographics of the white people. White, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm starting to see that that lower demographic is kind of breaking away from him too, just from yeah. what I'm seeing in my circle. Yeah, I mean, because, because like, like you said, even, I mean, I saw a video today of, some guy in, uh, I think he's in Arkansas or something, and he was speaking to another white man, and he was telling him that, see, I grew up the same way as you. I grew up here, deep in the South. Like, I know everything you're saying, but right. you can't be blind to what's in front of you. Exactly. So, like, people are also seeing that, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not what we've been fed uh, as that our country is because you know regardless of racism that really does exist in america for centuries america presents itself as a land that's open and free to everyone where everyone is equal and you can achieve whatever you want however right. you are so right. but like people are seeing that that's that's not really the case it's not it's not really the case i think it, it's the case when you initially come, right? When you initially land here, you're like, wow, land of flowing milk and honey, land of opportunity, right? Yeah. And yeah. you can take any job, right? Because at least your dollars make more sense back home. So as a Nigerian, if I'm making yeah. like a minimum wage here and I send it home, it, may, it means more at home. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you start to climb the corporate ladder, as soon as you start getting into more and more positions, because this, obviously this happened to me. So as soon as you get to those like higher and higher positions, that is when I feel like the systemic racism really starts to show. It mm. starts to show up in the selection of people for, for, for better positions. It starts to show up in your paycheck. It starts to show up in um, getting hired to another top position, being picked over a, a, colleague that may not have enough talent than you you know it shows up in these and i call them like microaggressive ways you know mm. very very subtle very kind of slick microaggression um and you can tell because um you see that the the middle class is really it's growing in america maybe not now after coronavirus but it was growing in america but the middle class that was growing the percentage of the middle class that were, the higher percentage of middle class that was growing wasn't black, right? You still okay. see a very, very small percentage in the middle class. So you have to ask yourself, okay, if the middle class is growing and we're saying that we have all these programs for black people and we, we are really in solidarity with black people, why aren't black people also progressing towards progressing, the middle yeah. class and the upper class? So, 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 so now what, I mean, I've, I've seen a number of things bandied around as to in terms of solutions. I've seen people suggesting that the history that's being taught in schools should be taught the right way. People should be taught about, about the existence of racism and why it shouldn't exist. People are also banding around legislation or what do you think, what do you think is the way forward for America? Because my, 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 my fear 
even though you've said that the the energy, the atmosphere is a bit different now, but my fear is that this has been done before. There've been protests before. There've there've been all sorts, you know, and things have been given that you think that maybe at the time felt like oh a victory or a small victory, but now in 2020 we can see that it's not right. We can see that we might as well be the same place as that Martin Luther King was, right? Right? Yeah. Right. So, so what what is the what is the last what is the lasting solution? I don't think there's ever going to be a lasting solution. What needs to happen is a a constant review and a okay. constant conversation that happens, you know, all the time. But I think what we, I can say that what um, Black people need to do in America is, number one, we need to first speak out more. I think a lot of Black people who are empowered in corporations do not speak out a lot. We allow these things to happen, right? Mm-hmm. We, there's a lot of times where people will say some slick things or some sly things and we let it slide because um, we may feel like we don't want to you be the anti-black. Yeah, okay. right. yeah. Exactly. So now because of this movement and because now we know for a fact that the world is aware. If you didn't hear us before, this time around you heard us. So now I feel like in, at this point, there's no reason not to speak out against racism, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in your family, around the table, whatever. And number two, there needs to be active participation in local government. A lot of the things that are happening on the police brutality side, they're happening on the local government side. This is not a movement for a national law to be changed. These are local, small-scale changes that make a larger impact. So we have a lot of TV networks here that you can tune in to listen to what the local lawmakers are doing. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if we all like really actively participate in like listening to those things. There are board elections that we can go to. And, you know, we get so distracted by the general election and all these things. But the local, the small scale elections, the local leaders that are, re- are really representing us in, see, our yeah. in our districts, we don't really participate in that. We need to do that. Okay. And then the third thing, obviously, is to pay more attention to black businesses. Um, we have a wealth of black businesses in this country. And I think the problem is that there's some stigma about black businesses that maybe it has lower quality or whatever. But I think the case is really don't expect black businesses to be less expensive. In fact, you should even expect them to be equally as expensive as let's say the Louis Vuittons or the Gucci's or whatever, right? We should value it's true we should value our black businesses and we should be able to put up that money the same money we will put up for a pair of 400 dollars nikes we should do the same for a black shoemaker so i think that things like that we really need to take into account how much value we place in our voices in our votes and in our businesses and i think that's really going to help us keep this momentum going because what america listens to is money (laughs) america listens to money as soon as you pull your money out of these big corporations they take notice. You know, all of this talking mm. and protesting is great, but what is really the next actionable step? And it really yeah. involves getting individually um, attached to all of these um, micro plans so that we can make a major impact in our in our um, in our country. So that's what I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. As, lastly, just before you go, how are things in the COVID side over there? 
I mean, clearly attention has, has kind of shifted away from coronavirus with all of this, but like, what are the situations now in New York? Because I, I remember that New York was, was really hit and lots of uh, issues with medical services and right. attention to people. Wow, hold on. I think there's a protest answer. Um, so with COVID, we, I think we had, last week, we, see, we saw the first day without a death, without a COVID death. So okay. that was exciting. Um, I think the incubation period for COVID is like, what, how many weeks? Two, two weeks, 14 two weeks. days. Right. Yeah. So it hasn't been two weeks yet since the first protest started. So oh, yeah. I don't know exactly how. <laughs> I don't know how that's really going to impact you hope, the city. You hope you're not in the Nigeria situation. <laughs> you know, because, right. because we decided at some point, yeah, let's eat, let's right. relax, let everyone go out, and everyone right? went out, and then we saw some numbers, and we were like, oh, but like, yeah, okay. So, so we don't know yet. We, I, I don't know, but it looks like things are calming down. Today was the first day that they are actually starting to go through phase one of reopening New York City. So we'll see how that all plays out. They're allowing some outdoor dining, which I think is pretty cool. Um, Obviously, there's a mandatory mask thing that's happening now. You can't go into any store without wearing a mask. So again, I can't really tell you how things are going to go. Yeah. You know, because I don't know, you know, it's, I, it's, I, I mean, I, I, think, I think, I think, I think, I think the worst, the worst has come for you guys. And clearly like the weather, the weather is changing. So like what, right. when you go to like warmer weather, right. you, it would be easier to at least deal with it. Right. Right. So, yeah. I think so. So, so thank you You're for welcome. joining us. We thank appreciate you. your insights and your input. Awesome. Till the next okay. time. I'll see you guys later. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Uh, so, guys, that's it for today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, there's really nothing to add to what has been said, but let's remember to keep pushing for justice for everyone, whether all human beings deserve justice, they deserve the right to live their lives as long as they are within the rules of the the laws of the country. They deserve equality. And yeah, let's just do better as people. Um, Men, let's do better. Let's stop raping, like, just stop raping. Stop treating women poorly. White people stop treating bad black people poorly. Stop treating anyone because I'm like at the moment it's black people who are the center of it. But I'm sure there are Hispanic people and Indian people and Ar- Arabic people who suffer racism in their own rights. And let's just make this world a better place, a safer place for ourselves and our children. Uh, thank you for joining us on Accidental Discharge. Please remember to subscribe, like, click the alert, and we'll be here again next week. Have a good night. Thank you for watching Accidental Discharge.